Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. I want to pray because I need it, and you might need it listening to me today. Father, we thank you and praise you. We glorify you and honor you. We're here to declare your word together today. We're here to learn more about you. I pray that our ears will be opened to what you would have us to hear. Father, I pray today that um, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing and acceptable to you today, Lord. I pray that the words that go forth from this place will be through the power of your Ruach HaKodesh, and that only your word will be spoken and be taught. Lord, thank you for all that you do and that you continue to do in us and through us. May our soil, the soil of our heart, receive the seed of your word today because of ground that is good ground. We thank you and honor you. You know, it's um, <clears throat> it's really interesting that uh, uh, a few weeks ago we were we led worship at a some of us did at a um, at a church, and while we were there, um, we we're getting set up, and out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody sit down over here, and it was somebody that I knew from work, and I looked up, and she goes. Oh my gosh, Lynn! And I went, I immediately, like, I was scared. Because, <laughs> you know, you usually don't get real nervous until you get to that point where you're real nervous. I tried to do the announcement so that I might not be as nervous, but, well, I guess I just got to deal with it. Because <laughs> public speaking is, um, is fun. All right. So, um, during my studies this week, and hopefully your studies to Numbers chapter 22, we're talking about Balaam, and a lot of times in the story, what is concentrated on is Balaam and the donkey and that whole conversation and, and that type of thing. <clears throat> I want to concentrate on um, some, some different stuff. I'm going to read the whole story, but as I was processing and kind of thinking about this whole thing you know we have to realize at some point as believers we're in a war we have everyday battles we have everyday struggles all of us are human we all deal with them But we're in a war that has lasted for centuries long. And I think it's amazing that when we pick up the Bible and we read stories such as this, people say, well, the Bible's not relevant today. Ha! Huh. If you look deep enough or you see the same struggles that everyone always have had, we still have 
today. The weapons of our warfare are still the same because God has not changed. People have not changed. But God can change us because He teaches us how we're to respond. And hopefully it's not always out of reaction, right? Because we want to learn to be on offense and not always on defense. So I look up I looked up the word war and then I looked up the word satisfaction. So the word war, I'm going to give you a couple definitions of it. Um, thank you Miriam Webster. I'll give that person credit. So the second definition of war is a state of hostility, conflict, antagonism, a struggle or competition between opposing forces or for a particular end. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound daily? It does to me. The verb of war is to be in active or vigorous conflict, to engage in warfare. And I think that spiritually, because this is a spiritual story, and not only is it spiritual, we also see some natural consequences of things of the flesh. So I was thinking about the word satisfaction. A lot of songs written about satisfaction today. The majority of them, you don't want to hear. <laughs> Do not turn on, you know, W-A-B-D and try to figure out if any of those songs are fitting for what we're talking about today. They're probably not. But you look at satisfaction, the second definition there, according to Merriam-Webster, a noun, fulfillment of a need or want, the, the quality or state of being satisfied, which is contentment, a source or means of enjoyment and gratification. We're at war today, and I believe that one of the greatest battles that we're involved in is where are we getting our satisfaction from? Who are we letting satisfy our needs? Genuine, honest needs. And how do we, as God's people, not go way overboard in the ways of the world? We say it like we don't have any issues with that sometimes, right? How are we supposed to battle against that? Well, God loves us, and He gave us weapons, once again, for our warfare. He gave us his Ruach HaKodesh, the indwelling of God himself in man. The deal is, is in the middle of the war, in the middle of the battle, where do we surrender? You know, I read through the book of Psalms, and um, uh, it's been several months ago, I talked to the worship team about it, and I was like, I'm going to look up what a warrior is. You know, you, you look at a at a, a warrior and you think of Mel Gibson and Braveheart, right? You know, we will not surrender, you know, or whatever. And uh, 
we can be like that and we can fight our own battles but when you look through the book of Psalms and you see what happened with David is that he surrendered to God so that God could fight his battles we should learn I need to learn more about it but how to become a warrior of surrender when God talked to Israel about going into battle God said go into this battle I've got your back Anytime that Israel went into battle and God didn't say, I have given you this battle, they got their tails tore up. So we too need to learn how to surrender. So I'm going to read the story of, uh, of Balaam. And Balak, and hopefully point out some of these issues as we're reading the story, and then we'll wrap it up. Who here will give me about 10 minutes? I got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Woo, I'm going to be here for about two hours. That's great. Oh, hey, hey, no. <laughs> me, me, sold right there to the lady in blue. God, she's beautiful. That's my wife to those who are watching online. <laughs> All right. So, yes, they work, brother. All right, Numbers chapter 22. We'll start there. Then B'nai Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab alongside the Jordan across from Jericho. When Balak, son of Zippor, realized that B'nai Israel had done to the Amorites, or what they had done, or realized all they had done, Moab became terrified because there were so many people. Moab was filled with dread because of B'nai Israel. Moab said to the elders of Midian, the multitude will lick up everything around us like the ox licks up the grass of the field. Now, Balak, son of Zippor, was the king of Moab at the time. So there was great fear. You see a great fear. Again, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you look out and you see all these people and you're a little bitty army and you're like, wow, God's with them and there's a bunch of them. <laughs> I think we're in trouble. But the main issue here is the fact that this is a spiritual battle that's going on that a lot of times um, it, we, don't, we don't realize that we're in. I'll continue. He sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, at Pethor, near the river in his native land, saying to him, Look now, a people has come out of Egypt. See now, they cover the surface of the earth and are settling beside me. Now come, curse these people for me, because they are too strong for me. Perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them away from the country. I know that whatever you bless will be blessed, and whoever you curse will be cursed. The elders of Moab and Midian left with divination fees in their hand. When they came to Balaam, they told Balak's words. 
See, Balaam was a diviner, a diviner. He performed witchcraft. They would hire the guy to go and speak curses for their benefit or speak blessing for their benefit. And so they're saying, hey, this guy has great powers, great abilities. What he says comes to pass. One of the issues here is that the that Balak has put Balaam in God's place. Isn't God the one who whatever he says is blessed is blessed and whatever he says cursed is cursed? But see, as we move forward in the story, you'll see that, again, this is a spiritual battle because the children of Israel are out there camping and Moab Balak is threatened by it. Why? Let's move forward. The elders of Moab and Midian left with divination fees in their hand, and they came to Balaam and told him Balak's words. So we're on uh, 22.8. And he said to them, Spend the night there, here, and I'll give you answer as Adonai speaks to me. So the officials of Moab stayed with Balaam, and God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent word to me. See, the people coming out of Egypt cover the surface of the land. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I'll be able to fight against them and drive them away. God said to Balaam, do not go with them. Do not curse them, for they are blessed. So Balaam got up in the morning and said to the officials of Balak, Go back to your country, for Adonai has refused to let me go with you. So the Moabite officials got up, went back to Balak, and said, Balaam has refused to come with us. Now, I know that Adonai told Balaam, don't go, and he didn't go. But let me tell you what. He's in it for the money. He's like one of these psychics that you call up, and they say, if you'll just give me... I don't know, I've never called one, I'm guessing how how it works... Um, if I would have called one, I'd be honest with you and tell you, yeah, I called and this is how it works, so I'm guessing. Hey, your, uh, uh, your, your time has almost come out. If you'll give me 50 more dollars, however they do, then we can you know, spend more time with you or however the fees or whatever works out. That's probably a really bad example. Um, anyway, so he's in it for the money, number one. Um, let's continue. But Balaam answered Balak's servants. Uh, let me see. 16. They also came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, son of Zippor, Please let nothing keep you from coming to me. I will richly reward you, and everything you tell me I will do. Just now come and curse these people for me. But Balaam answered Balak's servants. Say that fast seven times. Even if Balak gave me his full house or his house full of silver and gold I cannot cross beyond the mouth of Adonai my God to do anything great or small but now you may spend the night here too then I may find out anything else Adonai may say to me God came to Balaam by night and said to him since the men came to you to summon you arise and go with them however only the word I tell you you are to do So Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite princes. 
But the anger of God burned because he was going. The angel of Adonai stood in the road to oppose him. He was riding on his donkey, and two of his servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of Adonai standing in the road with his sword drawn by his hand, in his hand, the donkey turned off the road and went into the field. So Balaam beat the donkey to get back on the road. So Balaam beats the donkey three times. But I thought as, I, th I thought about this. I'm like, this is kind of weird because God says he can go. God says he can't go. God says, is God wishy-washy? The answer is no. God is not wishy-washy. But I kind of thought about the fact that have you ever saw, said to your, your kids, no, you're not going here. And then they come back and they say, oh, please, can we go, please, can we go, please, can we go, please, can we go, please, can we go. And it goes on much longer than that. I will not continue to threaten your eardrums with uh, what I'm doing there. But finally you say, fine, go. Just don't go there. Or don't do that. That's kind of how I picture this. God's like, hey, fine, you're going to go anyway. You can go, but... Don't, this is Lynn's Cliff Notes version, okay? This is not like download from God. This is just how I picture it. You can go, but don't say anything unless I tell you to say it, right? So the angel stands in his way, and um, the donkey talks to him because, you know, Balaam's beating him, and the angel of the Lord says, go, just only do, only say what the Lord says. All right, so let's move to uh, 23. Then Balaam said to Balak, build me seven altars here and prepare for me here seven bulls, seven rams. So Balak did just as Balaam said. Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balak said, Balaam said to Balak, Stay here beside your offering. I will go, and perhaps Adonai will meet me. Whatever message he shows me, I will tell you. Then he went to the barren height. That's a, that, that's a very important set of words there. But one of the things that I need to tell you about is Balak, king of Moab, this kingdom is a kingdom of sensuality. They serve Baal. And I believe that what this king is seeing is that the God of Abraham is there. The Lord is with them, and this is a God of holiness, of purity, of righteousness. He commands his people in righteousness, in those ways. And what's being threatened spiritually is is this sensuous spirit of Baal. And he wants words to be used. Words are, are very powerful. Words are very spiritual. You go back and you read Genesis 1. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. What did he do? He spoke this. He spoke that why do you think it's so important in this instance for words to be spoken that are derogatory towards Israel 
What about in our own lives? Every person under the sound of my voice right now could all raise their hands because they've been hurt in one way or another. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me? That's a lie. Most of the time, it's those words, it's those darts of the enemy that are going to come in and plant a seed. Not a seed of God, but if they're bad, if they're curses, plant a seed that could send us all on a spiral that's downward. So what's being threatened for Balak? His kingdom. His purpose. His surrender and the people surrender to feel good. Whatever feels good. Isn't that kind of like our culture today? Hey, you can say... you. You know, we have freedom of speech, but don't speak out against what I do. Everybody's feelings get hurt, that type of thing, through the use of words. But it's only if we're saying words that's contradictory in their minds against sensuality. I'll leave it at that. So he went to the barren height. So what does the word barren mean? The word barren. Is non-producing. So he goes to the barren height. God met with Balaam and said, I have prepared seven altars on each altar. I've offered a bull and a ram. Adonai put a message into Balaam's mouth and said, return to Balak and speak this Balaam went back to him behold he was standing beside his offering with all the princes of Moab and he uttered his oracle and said from Aram Balak brought me Moab's king from the mountains of the east come curse Jacob for me come denounce Israel how can I curse the one whom God has not cursed how can I denounce one from one whom Adonai has denounced. From the rocky peaks I see him. From the heights I behold him. Look, he lives as a nation apart and does not consider himself as being like the other nations. Who can count Jacob's dust? Who can number a fourth of Israel? Let my soul die the death of the upright and let my end be this. Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but look, you've actually blessed them. But in response, he said, I mustn't, mustn't I speak whatever Adonai puts in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, Come now with me to another place where you can see a part of them, not all of them. Curse them for me from there. I think it's interesting that he took him to a barren height or a non-producing place a non-productive place to speak non-productive things over the house of Israel. But what is spoken? What is spoken is that Israel will flourish. Look how many of them there are. Look how, how great they are in number. So that was supposed to be a curse of non-productiveness, and it turned out to be a blessing 
that he could speak of production. You know, we should speak productive words into each other's lives. Do you know how hard it is sometimes to stand in front of someone who has done nothing but berate you or belittle you or say non-productive things about you and to turn around to them and say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bless you. Do you know why people want to hurt other people? Because hurt people hurt people. And it's very, very hard and difficult sometimes to look through the eyes of Yeshua and say, I'm going to bless that person even though they slay me. If we're going to get to the heart of that other person, and we may never, but if we are, if we're ever going to have a chance because they've been hurt, the reason why they're hurting we need to begin to speak blessing into those people's lives Israel was not going to hear with their physical ears the curse that Balaam was going to pronounce but in the spirit of the word through the Ruach HaKodesh that word still goes forth Words that we speak still go forth in, in the Spirit. If it weren't true, because you, you, some of you look like, what, really? If it weren't true, how could I pray for somebody all the way across the other side of the world or just be speaking blessing to them and they say, at this moment, at this time, and it just happened to be the moment or time I was praying for them, God did this miracle and rose up. Our words are powerful. Learn to speak productive words, blessing into people's lives. We don't want to continue to be those hurt people that hurt people. So Balak said to him, Come now with me to another place. You can see a part of them only, not all of them. Curse them for me from there. So he took them to lookout field on top of Pisgah. He built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each other. Stay here beside your offering. He said to Balak, While I'm meeting over there, Adonai met Balaam there and put a message in his mouth and said, Return to Balak and thus speak. So he went to him, and behold, he and the princes of Moab were standing beside his offering. Balak asked him, What did Adonai say? So he uttered this oracle. Rise, Balak, hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man who lies, or... A son of man who changes his mind, does he speak and then not do it, or promise and not fulfill it? Look, I received a command to bless. He is blessed. I cannot change it. No misfortune is to be seen in Jacob, and no misery in Israel. Adonai, their God, is with them. The king's shout is among them. God is bringing them from Egypt with the strong horns in the of the wild ox there is no sorcery effective against Jacob nor any divination against Israel now it will be said of Jacob and Israel see what God has done 
the people rise like a lioness like a lion who does not rest until he eats his prey and drinks his victim's blood then Balak said to Balaam do not curse them or bless them at all Balaam answered and said to Balak haven't I told you that all Adonai says I must do so we'll stop right there for a second so the mountain that they're on um, is a is a, a place that looks like it is split um, and the word that it comes from if I can find it in my notes right here somewhere uh, anyway it means to divide right so what is the what it, I just think it's significant that the mountains that the places that he he was sent to to curse it's the same type of curse that's supposed to be spoken over the people so he wants a curse to be spoken of splitting but what's spoken instead a, cur, a, a blessing of covenant that these people will stick together they will be together I think we should speak more like that into our marriages today there's so many words today that are spoken of well if you do this then I will give you the D word and it's used divorce Diane got it she thought it was Diane anyway <laughs> one of the things that my wife and I did when we um, you know we're going through marriage counseling when we first got married and that type of thing is we said we're never going to talk about it we're we're it, it's never going to come up it's not going to be a threat it's not going to be a promise we have gone through the mire and back we were separated one time we were considering it but the Bible says what God has put together let no man or woe man set asunder don't let division come into your lives and don't speak division into your lives words are powerful continue to speak blessing when you don't you know the time to speak blessing the time to speak blessing is when you don't see anything good coming out of it that's a good time to speak blessing you know another good time to speak blessing is when you think everything is perfect and going great it's still time to speak blessing we should always continue in every phase of life no matter what our kids are going through no matter what they're doing no matter what our parents are doing no matter what our husbands or wives are doing unless it's abusive and that type of thing but we should still I'm talking about as far as staying with them we should still speak blessing into people's lives the Bible says the power of life and death lies where? In the tongue. Don't let the enemy take you to the mountain that says the covenant is going to split. And if that happens, speak blessing into your marriage, into your life and continue to do it. Am I getting some more brownie points, Chris? Okay. Balaam answered and said to Balak, Haven't I told you all that Adonai says I must do? And Balak said to Balaam, Come with me to another place, 
perhaps it will be pleasing to God and you may curse them for me like once and for all will you finally do this so Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor overlooking the wasteland and Balaam said to Balak build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and rams for me Balak did as Balaam said and offered a ram on each altar when so this is the mountain where all of the, the acts of Baal happen. This is the mountain of, uh, of sensuality. This is the mountain where a lot of evil mixtures of cultures happen. <laughs> when Balaam realized that it was pleasing in the, Adonai, in the eyes of Adonai to bless Israel, he did not resort to sorceries as at other times so if you wondered if Balaam was a sorcerer and I was telling you the truth there it is he didn't result to sorceries like he did at other times but turned his face toward the wilderness lifting up his eyes Balaam saw Israel dwelling by tribes the Ruach Elohim came over him he uttered his oracle and said this is the oracle of Balaam son of Beor and the oracle of a strong man whose eyes whose eye has been opened. In the oracle of the one hearing God's speech, one seeing Shaddai's vision, and uh, one fallen down yet with eyes open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob. Sound familiar? Your dwelling places, O Israel. Like valleys, they are spread out, like gardens beside a river, like aloes planted by Adonai, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from his buckets and his seed by abundant water. His king will be greater than Agag, right? His kingdom will be exalted. God is bringing him out of Egypt like the strong horns of a wild ox. He devours nations hostile to him. He will crush their bones. His arrows will pierce them. He crouches like the lion or a lioness. Who would ruse him? He who blesses you will be blessed and he who curses you will be cursed then Balak came became furious with Balaam and struck his hands together Balak said to Balaam I summoned you to curse my enemies but look you have blessed them these three times now go home I said that I would reward you but see Adonai has kept you from reward Balaam you sense a little manipulation there manipulation control Balaam answered back and said, Didn't I indeed tell your messengers whom you sent to me, saying, If Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the mouth of Adonai and do good or bad from my own heart? Whatever Adonai may speak, I will speak. I think that's a good mantra, don't you? Whatever Adonai will speak, I will speak. Now behold, I'm going back to my people. Come let me counsel you in what these people will do to your people in latter days. <laughs> Sorry. Then he uttered his oracle and the oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the strong man whose eye has opened. So, so the Ruach HaKodesh came over Balaam, and you know he even prophesies about Messiah there. It's amazing. Um, what happened so remember in the beginning I talked about we're in a war 
in a spiritual war? We talked about satisfaction. Where do we get our satisfaction from? Words are very satisfactory. Words have caused wars not just in our homes but like presidential wars philosophers and many many people songs you don't have songs without words you don't have anything you don't have a a good level of communication even if you have sign language it's not spoken but there's still a word that's behind the sign how are we using our words? And do we always feel like when we get in the middle of something that we have to have the last word because we're going to be justified or satisfied in that? God always has the last word. My encouragement for us today is to surrender our tongues. It's very hard to do. James says it's a rudder, right? And it'll lead you. But the tongue and the mind are things that work together. James also said a double-minded man is unstable in some of his ways. No, in all of his ways. In all of his ways. So we must surrender our mind to the Word, the Word of God. Because our, our tongues and our hearts will follow within that. Because this is a spiritual battle. But we have to do it too, surrender our tongues and our minds because our bodies will follow eventually. But we have to allow and speak that word to our bodies. No, you will. Sometimes I look like I'm crazy, you know. You know, I'm at work or whatever, and I'm like, no, I will not look at that. I will not do that. I'm, I'm, I, I, want, I need to surrender right now. I'm, you know, whatever the deal is. Who's supposed to be in control? The thing about Yeshua when he died for us is he bought back and gave us the right to make decisions based on his word. He gave us back our free will. He gave back to us the right to stand as sons and daughters. But how are we doing that with our words? The power of life and death lies in the tongue. Hebrews chapter 4 says the word of God is sharp and powerful and it divides even to the, between the, the bone and the marrow going to the sword and the spirit. I'm saying this because one of the things that's really powerful that we can do in our lives is speak the word over ourselves. One of the most powerful things that you can do is go through the book of Psalms or go through the book of Proverbs or whatever and begin to read the word and, and speak that word over your life. There have been plenty of times when I go through and I say, Oh Lord, I'm that, and you say not to be that. What do I need to do? I need to surrender to the word of the Lord until it becomes manifest in me in such a way that I continue to walk that thing out. See, the mind and the tongue and the body, they all interact together, but we are supposed to walk in the Ruach HaKodesh and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what Balaam was being asked to do. That's what Balak wanted Balaam to do so that his kingdom that he set up of the flesh would continue 
so that the kingdom of God could not flourish. Isn't that our battle today? So as I close, how do we do this? I've mentioned it. Read the word over yourself. Read it out loud because it goes in. Guard your gates. Guard your personal house. How do we do that? Our, through our eyes. Guard what comes in. Guard what comes into your mind. Do you know the Bible says that Yeshua was tempted in every way that we were? That means that thoughts came to, into his mind. But he didn't walk those thoughts out. What did he do? He surrendered those thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For the weapons are of our warfare, not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down thoughts and imaginations and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And it goes on to say that when we are obedient, we punish a spirit of disobedience. The battle is here. When we're willing to surrender our minds, our tongue will follow, we'll begin to manifest and walk like Yeshua did. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourself. And the way to do that, and the, to what, the way to, to showing each other that we are believers and showing people outside who are not believers that we are believers is how? By our love one for another. I was talking to an atheist yesterday. Had a great conversation with her. Um, she said, you're not like these other guys who try to beat me up with, uh, you know, well, you just don't have enough faith, and that's why you're going through this, and that's why you're going through that. I don't believe that. Because you, Yeshua also said life happens, right? But she said that, or, or I said, she, she's talking about what some of the differences are. But I said, you know, I, it, we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it talks about all the gifts of the Spirit. And different segments of, of believing in, in, in the believing world only want to see what your gifts are. But Paul says in the love chapter... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, blah, blah, blah. After 12 into 13, he says, you can have all these gifts and do all these powerful and great and wonderful things, but if you don't have love, it's a bunch of noise. So my challenge for us today is to delight ourselves in the Lord. That's Proverbs 37 and 4, and it says, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart people want to concentrate on the desires of your heart part what I want to concentrate on is if we delight ourselves in the Lord 
we can only but submit to him and do what he wants in our lives. So, um, as I pray, before I pray, I want to ask you again, where are you getting your satisfaction from? I've asked myself the same question and made some major corrections this week. Because we're in a war. We belong to the greatest, most powerful army in the world. But we're supposed to be warriors on our knees of surrender. How are we doing at that? The Ruach HaKodesh will empower you. He has promised that He will empower us and give us the strength that we need. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. May we all learn to surrender to the Lord so that we can be satisfied and satisfy Him and each other through words. This is a song called Satisfy. As we listen to the words, just, just pray.
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you created us and made us in your image and likeness. We, your children, need you, Daddy. We recognize today, Lord, that we cannot be satisfied aside from you. Aside from your word, Lord, we cannot be satisfied. Father, I pray that each and every one of us today will make a decision to be a warrior of surrender. Surrendering our minds surrendering our lives living a life of surrender that we might satisfy you no greater place is there to be Lord than in your presence thank you for your presence today thank you that in you we live and move and have our being Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. May we learn to continue to run with you, Lord. To run to you. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah.